Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, today, we're going to be taking a break from our study of the Gospel of John, of John's Gospel, our series called The Word. Today, we're going to take a break. As, as Josh mentioned, we're going to be looking, uh, we're going to do a series here called Giver. It's uh, a stewardship series. It's something that we've done in the past, but honestly, in the last few years, we haven't done something like this. And um, I, it is one of those things where when you come into church, talking about stewardship and talking about resources, talking about finances can be one of those topics where everybody goes, uh, uh, uh. and sometimes we have some kind of preconceived notions and ideas of what uh, a good giving message looks like or what a good stewardship series looks like. Maybe we don't like talking about it at all because it makes us too uncomfortable. But when I look at the scriptures, I look at all the different times where Jesus mentions money, where Jesus mentions finances, when he mentions giving, like it's something to take note of. I look at my life, I look at the, the, the congregation and, and trends, and I look at like where my own heart is at, and I go, what's my motivation in all of this? Like, what is your motivation? Like in, in anything that you do in life, like there are different motivations that we have, right? We do, there's different reasons why we do different things. Some of those motivations are very internal. Some of them are, are um, like self-ambition uh, and drive and like we are, any, any like real self-motivators in here? I, I see some of your Instagrams and like the way that you work out, I know you are. You've got something that I don't have clearly, Sometimes, like, fear is a motivator. Fear is a horrible motivator, right? But there are some of us that are a little bit more inclined that way, that we our bend towards life is a little bit more that way, and, like, advertisers pull on that all the time, isn't it? It's like, those are, that's one of the key ways, like, you are susceptible to this, so you need this. You are susceptible to this, so you need my product. Sometimes guilt is a big motivator. I know I've, I've unfortunately, I've, I've had um, many people tell me about their stories of just being riddled with guilt and that they didn't measure up and that they didn't, whether it was from a, the family, maybe a parental figure or whatever, maybe even the church where they just, they always felt guilty. And guilt is a horrible motivator when it comes to living out your life for God. And in particular, with your finances. And so for us to have an understanding, for us to have a biblical, godly understanding of stewardship and finances is utter, utterly important. And so today, like I said, we're taking a break from the Gospel of John. We're going to look at the heart of stewardship in this mini-series that we call Giver. A look at the Christian ethic of generosity. So if you have your Bible, I want to turn to a familiar passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So if you have your Bible, turn there with me today. And I hope you understand my heart in this. This is something that, um, this is something that, actually in, in the last four years of, of me uh, being in the teaching role here out in Lake Country, um, I've never had the opportunity to do a, a series on giving like this or a series on stewardship like this. Whether you're talking about finances, whether you're talking about time or whether you're talking about talents like 
and I hope you understand my heart, our leadership's heart, that I, like, this church is not after your finances. Just as God is not after your finances, he's after your heart. He's after your heart. And Jesus talks a little bit about that in Matthew chapter 7. We'll get there in a minute. So, I want this church, our church, to be worshipers, deep worshipers in every aspect of our life, that we understand that moment that we just had with communion, that what the blood of Jesus Christ did, that it purchased me, that it bought me, that my life is no longer my own, and that I live in that reality, that I live in that grace, and that I don't do it reluctantly, that I don't do it out of guilt, that I don't do it out of fear, but that I do it in joy because of what Jesus has done for me. That's the heart of all of this. So let's look at our text today. Uh, verse 6, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. It says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. We're going to talk about that quite a bit next week, actually. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work as it is written. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them uh, and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for him is an inexpressible gift. Before we do anything else, let's pray once again. Father, again, we thank you for your word, and I pray for humble hearts today mine included. I pray that I would be so humbled before your word today that I would allow you and your spirit to speak to me, that I wouldn't dismiss what is said in this word, that I wouldn't uh, justify maybe some errant thinking or that I wouldn't justify some errant living, but God, that I would bring my own life and that we would bring our lives in submission and beautiful, 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 joyful submission, cheerful submission to your word. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So our text today, kind of starting kind of in the middle of something here. And Paul is giving exhortation to the church in Corinth as they are taking up a collection, taking up an offering for the saints in Jerusalem. And he's been bragging about the church in Corinth to the Macedonians. 
He's given them some instruction here. He's given them some advice, some uh, instruction on the stewardship of their finances in their giving. As they give towards the ministry of God, as they give towards the saints in Jerusalem, he's giving them the heart of it. He's given them some heavenly principle around it. And today, I want to look at that heart. I want to look at the heart of giving, the heart of the giver. And the first thing I want to establish, and I think you see it in this text, and I think it helps serve the rest of the text, and it's going to help serve us the next week and the following week, is that when you look at the passage, when you look at this passage, is that God is the ultimate giver. I think we understand that, right? We know that God is the ultimate giver. If you look at our text again today, in verse 8, it says this, And God is able to make all grace abound to you. Right? God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So God is able to make that grace abound to you. Verse 9, it says, As it is written, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. And verse 10 is beautiful. It says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, that he supplies, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing an increase of harvest of righteousness. So first and foremost, I want to establish that God is the ultimate giver. Everything we have, anything we have, has been given to us by God, has been given to us freely by the ultimate giver, God himself, our gracious heavenly Father. There's nothing that you have that hasn't been given to you by God. Nothing. Did you hear that? Like nothing you have that hasn't been given to you by God. And I think when we think of spiritual matters, we understand that. We can accept that freely. When it's spiritual matters and when it's internal matters, it's easier for us to accept and comprehend. Like when God is the giver of salvation, we understand that. John chapter 1, verse 12, remember from our series uh, just a couple of months ago, verse 12, it says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And of course, John 3.16, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. When you look through James, James chapter 1, he's the one who gives wisdom, and he gives it generously to all who ask. When you look at James 4, he gives grace to the humble. When you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, or chapter 14, or even Romans 12, you see that God is the giver of spiritual gifts to his church for the edification of the body and the glory of Christ. When you look at Ephesians 5, you see that Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 1 Timothy chapter 2 says that he gave himself as a ransom. John 3.34 says that he gives his spirit without measure. 2 Peter chapter 1, he gives us all things pertaining to life and to godliness. All things. God is the ultimate giver. He's the giver of grace. He's the giver of peace. He's the giver of power, the giver of life, the giver of salvation. And like I said, in those spiritual matters, I think it's easier, easy for us to accept and to comprehend that. But it's not just those immaterial things. 
God's not just the giver of grace and peace and salvation and eternal life. He's the giver of all the material stuff as well. Your life, everything in your life has been given to you by Jehovah Jireh, the provider, the one who is enough. Everything in my life has been given to me by God. Now, I know what you're thinking. You've worked pretty hard for some of your stuff. Some of you went to school for a lot of years to have the position and to have the job and to have the career that you have. You've worked really, really hard. But God still gave you it. Do you understand that? God still was the person. Who gave you the understanding? Who gave you the intellect? Who formed you and knit you together in your mother's womb? Gave you the ability to comprehend and to reason and to problem solve. You know other people around you don't have all those skills. Right? You work with some of them and they drive you nuts. He is the giver of all things. Everything you are, everything you have has been given by the ultimate giver, our gracious Heavenly Father. And it's super important. I'm spending a lot of time on this because it's vitally important for us to realize and to vocalize that truth. Okay, and I, I made that, that distinction on purpose, to realize it, to understand it, but then also to vocalize, to, to confess it to our hearts and to our minds, that we would understand it and that we would speak it into our lives that God is the provider of everything because here's why. This is why it's so important. There's a battle that goes on in my heart and in your heart over what's mine and what's God's. There's a battle over what's mine and what, what I keep for myself, what I reserve for me, and then what I have to give back to him. Anybody know that feeling? Anybody ever have that conversation in your brain? Okay, I, I know I'm not the only one. It's important to realize that he is the giver of all things because if we think that it's us, if we think that we've earned it, if we think that it's only the direct result of our hard work, we're going to think that we deserve it, and we won't likely see it as God's. We won't likely see it as a resource to steward, but yet it'll be something that we think that we've earned and that we deserve, that we won't see it as something for His glory. Our time is for Him. Our talents are for Him. Our treasures are for Him. And if we think that it's in us, that we've earned it, we may hold on to it, keep it, and we'll still battle for what's ours. Everything we have has been given to us by God. There's not a thing that we have that he has not graciously, graciously given us. You see it in those verses, in verses 8 through 10 there in our text today. It is he who supplies the seed to the sower the bread, it is he who is able to make all grace abound to us. So as I was thinking about this series today, like I wanted to get to the heart of the matter. When I read this text, 
It says that God loves a cheerful giver. Like, in my giving, am I a cheerful giver? In the giving of my time, in the giving of my talents and my efforts, in the giving of my finances, am I a cheerful giver? What's my motivation? What's my heart in giving back to Him? And then how do I become the type of giver that Paul is describing? How do I become the type of generous, bountiful sower? Not sparingly, not stingily. How do I become that type of giver whose heart is glad in Him and in blessing His name? And I think it starts with understanding that it's all been given by Him, but then also understanding in that how gracious our God is. Do you have a full view of the grace of God in your life? Do you treasure him supremely? Do we understand that we were dead and lost and utterly doomed without hope, without any means in our own strength to reach God, this holy, supreme being in whom I am so sinful and lost that there is no way that I could approach him? But yet God, who is rich in mercy, because he loves us with an everlasting love while we were still dead, while we were still lost, while we were still children of wrath, he came to us. He loved us and drew us to himself and he redeemed us and saved us, that it is him and him alone, that it wasn't in our own intellect or hard work, but it's by his grace, his grace, his grace that we are saved we understand the fullness of his grace. We want to realize it. I want us to realize it and confess it to our hearts often. Because when we realize it, it becomes a whole lot easier than to take my life and everything in it, including my finances, and go, God, it's yours. What we do is what we, we talk about the tithe in church often. We talk about, you know, give your tithe, give your 10%, give your 10%, give your 10%. And we have this mentality then, and it turns into this legalism where I go, okay, here's my check, here's my 10%, the rest is for me. And that's not the case. He didn't purchase the 10% with his blood. He purchased all of it with his blood. He didn't purchase 10% of your time with his blood, 10% of your life with his blood. He purchased all all of you with his blood. My life is then not my own. My time is not my own. My gifts and my talents are not my own. My finances are not my own. They are all submitted back to God. And then the 10% or whatever it looks like is then the wrestle. That's between you and Jesus. But my, like I said, I don't care about your money. I care about your heart. I care about your worship. I care about lives that are submitted 100% to God. If I'm not teaching you that, if I'm not training you that, if I'm teaching you some legalistic 10% or if I'm teaching you some, some uh, segmented living where this is God's and this is mine, then I've, I've done you a grave disservice. It is all God's for his glory, for his work. I want to behold him. We've been talking about that a lot through, through our study in the book of John. 
I want to behold him. I want to see how he loves us and how he gave himself for us. I think of Philippians chapter 2, right? He didn't count equality with God, something to be grasped, something to be held onto, but he emptied himself. He gave of himself and went to the cross for you and me. That is the great love, the great heart, the great motivator of our God towards us. He loved us so deeply that he gave 100% of himself for us. Love gives, period. If DC Talk has taught us anything, it's that love is a verb, right? I dated myself. There's, there's like a good swath of 20-year-olds and under that are like, what is he talking DC, DC Talk, what? God's motivation in giving is love, right? John 3 says, for God so loved the world that he gave. I was reminded of uh, our series in Acts a few years ago. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your money. He is completely sufficient in himself. He doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. I think of Acts chapter 17. God who made the world and everything in it, this is Paul standing at the the Oropagus, right? He's starting on Mars Hill. He's making this appeal to the Greeks. He's saying, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by hand, excuse me, made by, by man, nor is he served by human hands. There it is. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needs anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. He doesn't need it. He wants your heart. He is fully sufficient. He is fully equipped. He is our source of life and breath in everything. He doesn't need anything from you. God is outside of our economy. Our money is worthless to him. He wants your heart. He wants you. And I hope you're not just going, phew. Hey, we're, not, we're done talking about money. He does want you to behold him, to see how he loves you, and in return, surrender everything to him. Love him back by giving yourself to him. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. It says, For where your treasure is, your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. See, God is after our hearts. And so he calls us to give of our finances. He calls us to invest in his kingdom. Like I said, we're going to talk about that sowing next week, that sowing and that reaping next week. But he wants your treasure. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He wants your heart, so he asks for your treasure. He wants, to not, he wants not just 
what you value most, but he wants to replace what you value most. He wants to replace anything that could be in that place with himself. He wants to be your surpassing worth and your greatest joy. That's why the giving of our finances is so important. He wants to reorient our entire economy, the things that we treasure, the things we value and hold dear. He wants to reorient all of that to himself and for his glory. How do we become one of those who give cheerfully? How do we become someone who sows bountifully, not sparingly? How do we become someone who gives not reluctantly or not out of guilt or that I have to, but gladly, out of joy, saying, ah, I get to sow into the kingdom of God again for the glory of Jesus. We have to behold Him. We have to measure, we have to value His grace towards us accordingly. I love how it says here in our text today, Each one must uh, decide, must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. There's something calculated about that giving, isn't there? Where you've sat down and you've estimated the supreme worth of Jesus. You've sat down, like, like, if you give out of compulsion, if you, like, today, like, you're all full of guilt as you leave this place, and you're like, yeah, I'm passing the box. I better put something in on the way out today. Like, no, you're, you're not getting it. You're not, like, this is something calculated in your quiet, like, where you estimate the value, the supreme worth of God's grace towards you. And after you've considered it, as you've looked at it, as you've considered in your heart, then you make your contribution. Then you give out of uh, a cheerful abundance of joy in your heart because of the surpassing worth of Christ, not out of reluctance, uh, not out of guilt, not out of compulsion, but as you've established between you and Jesus as worship, as worship, as worship unto God. I want us I want us to be cheerful givers of everything. I was thinking about that this morning. We, every, every Sunday morning, we meet here for pre-service prayer. And if you want to join us, please join us. 9.30 in this room, 5, 10 minutes. We, we pray over the service. We pray over you guys. We pray over the kids' areas, all of that stuff. Join us. 9.30. And we were talking about, Josh was encouraging everybody, like people in service, and the way that they give in this church. Man, we have a lot of great volunteers doing a lot of great things. And of course, there's always that like, hey, I just want you guys to just like, not just do tasks today, not just like go through the motions, but to give as, like to serve, your, to give your time as worship unto God. And there's this, there's this like tension in me like if you're serving from a from a bad attitude, if you're serving out of obligation, you're serving like there's this tendency, like you don't want people to serve in that manner. You don't want people to give from that place. You, but but then on the other side, the I don't think the answer is this. Like, well, since my heart is in a bad place, I'm not going to give it all. Since I'm feeling guilty about it, the answer is probably not to do it, or to no. The answer is to press in more. The answer is to press into Jesus more so that you would see his matchless worth, to see and behold his amazing grace towards you. Everything that he's poured out, everything that he's given, that he's withheld nothing from his children. 
Every good and perfect gift comes from him. That we would press in and draw into him today. And so as we wrap up and as we conclude today, and like I said, next week we're going to get into this even a little bit more. I want us to worship our God together. For some of us in this room, and me included, this, has been a ch- this is going to be a challenging series for me right now, just being honest. This is going to be a very challenging series to me right now because there's some things going on and there's things where it's just like tight. Things are tight right now, and I want to hold on. I want to grab on even tighter. We're going to talk about sewing next week, and it's, it's going to undo me, I think. I'm scared to study this week. But I'm also excited because nothing, nothing, nothing I want more in my life than to bring my heart in alignment with the Scriptures, to bring my life in alignment with the Scriptures. And so today... Is your heart cheerful in giving? Whether it's your time, whether it's your talents, whether it's your resources, your finances, whatever it is, is your heart cheerful in that? And if it's not, that's okay. Let's not stay there. Let's behold Christ. Let's behold Christ and understand what he has done for you understand that he wants to be that treasure your treasure let's behold him let's submit to him and trust and then let's trust him in his word we're going to talk about this a bit next week as well let's trust him and his word that when he says it it is true and we can trust him we can count on it that he will provide all of your needs, all of my needs according to what? His riches and glory. We do not serve a God who's short in any category. He is sufficient and able and will not let us fall. I want to trust him in that. I want to trust him in that in my finances. And so as we wrap up today and as we go to a time of worship, I want you to respond. Some of you, maybe it's husbands and wives. Maybe, you know, you've been wrestling through giving. Maybe there's some of this stuff in here. Like, you, maybe you need to have a sit down. Maybe you need to pray together. Maybe go, okay, let's evaluate. Where are we at? Where are we at in our finances? Where are we at in our giving? What does this look like? Keep responding to the Holy Spirit in the way that you give, the way that you give of your time, the way that you give of your talents, the way that you give of your finances so bountifully, cheerfully unto God. And if you're wrestling with it, That's okay. Wrestle with it. Keep bringing it to Jesus. Keep bringing your heart in alignment with his word. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. Let's pray and let's stand and worship. Father, thank you for today. I thank, I am so thankful, God, that you are the supplier of everything. The finances that we have to give to you have been provided by you. The time that we have, this life that we have, God, let us sow it in the field of the gospel for the glory of your name. The gifts and talents that you've given us. God, not just for our own benefit, not just for our own uh, advantage, but God, for your glory, for your kingdom. God, let us sow it generously for you. Move upon our hearts. Move upon our hearts. 
Holy Spirit, move upon our heart, I pray. God, let us be deeper worshipers of you in every area of our life. 100%, it's all yours. 100%, I am yours. Move upon us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship our God together. Thank you.